This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hi, I'm Dan Primack, and welcome to Axios Recap, where we dig into one big story. Today's Tuesday, May 11th. Diet program sales are up, credit card debt is down, and we're focused on India's coronavirus crisis. Try to take yourself back to this time last year, when the pandemic felt like this giant chasm into which the entire country was falling. Helplessly, as death counts soared, hospitals were overloaded, those tests were tough to come by, and equipment like ventilators and face masks were in short supply. Life was, at best, on hold. At worst, for many, it was over. That's India, right now. The most recent daily case count was 330,000, which is about the same number of people who live in Honolulu or in Corpus Christi, Texas. Deaths today surpassed 3,800, and many believe that count would be even higher if testing was better, if hospitals could handle even more patients, or if mass graves and cremations were being tracked more accurately. And India's COVID crisis is spreading beyond its own borders not only because cases are rising in neighboring South Asian countries, but also because there's a new variant, first detected in India, that the World Health Organization says is a concern because of its increased transmissibility. There are also some limited, non-peer-reviewed studies suggesting this variant may be better at evading some protections of Western vaccines, although to be very clear here, much more research is still needed. Remember, coronavirus variants are created via person-to-person transmission, and India has hundreds of thousands of newly infected people per day, with some experts arguing the real numbers could be in the millions. So today we want to speak with Karan Deep Singh, a New York Times reporter and visual journalist based in New Delhi, about what he's seeing on the ground, how social media is being used and misused, and what Indian officials might do to stem the tide. That conversation in 15 seconds. We're joined now by Karan Deep Singh, a New York Times reporter and visual journalist based in New Delhi. So, Karan, can we just start? Can you describe the situation on the ground where you're at? Well, the situation on the ground remains pretty grim. People people are still desperate to find medical care. Uh, oxygen shortages are common in many parts of the country. Um, just yesterday, we we saw eleven patients died at one of the largest hospitals in the southern state of Andhra Pradesh because they couldn't get oxygen on time. Um, things have become so desperate at the cremation grounds that cremations themselves have become almost a luxury um, because there's, there's hardly any space um, for the dead bodies. Firewood is, is, is running out. Um, it's, uh, you know, many people who can't afford to pay for, for the costs of a funeral have started, um, unfortunately dumping bodies, um, that are washing up in the rivers, um, some of which are considered holy by, by the country's Hindus. There are some suggestions that the official infection count and the official death count are lower than what the real number is. Is that a fair understanding? 
Yes, um, all, all the experts that we have spoken with uh, point to the number of cremations taking place every day, um, the fires at the at the funeral um, cremation grounds. They're 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 hardly you know doused by the time there's the next funeral taking place. A lot of times, the funerals are are, are taking place as a group. So instead of setting um, fire to one body at a time, they would set fire to the whole um, cremation area. And, and you know, so you'd have um, cremations taking place in the morning and then also in the evening and throughout the day. Um, so considering that, um, a lot of the experts have have concluded that the official um, death toll is way, um, way lower than, than what could be the real death toll. So with so many people infected and obvious fears that more people are infected than we even know about, how's that impacted the rollout or the distribution of vaccines? The vaccine uh, rollout has been hit by vaccine shortages too. People are turning up the va- at the vaccine uh, vaccination centers, um, and um, they've 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 been turned away because there are no vaccines um, to be given out that day. Um, in many parts of this of the country, um, they they haven't been able to start the rollout for the eighteen plus. Uh, population that the government um, had given a nod to, um, but it's 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 also because the manufacturers themselves uh, have have admitted, uh, you know, that that they they're not going to be able to um, really serve India's needs uh, and that of um, the the world at this at this crucial time in the in the pandemic. What's the general reaction to that? Is it anger? Is it sadness? You know, knowing that a vaccine is out there, but people can't get it? Definitely. There's frustration. Um, you're, we're seeing frustration play out on social media, on uh, Twitter every day. Um, some actor died yesterday and there was, you know, he, he, he tagged Prime Minister Modi in the, in the post. Um, we're seeing something that's very desperate, um, but also uh, a public display of it. Um, a lot of the people in India blame Prime Minister Narendra Modi and his ruling uh, Bharatiya Janata Party, which uh, in February had said that they had defeated the, the coronavirus. Um, in March, uh, Mr. Modi's health minister uh, announced that the country was in the end game of the pandemic. Um, and everyone saw the, you know, the, what these statements were followed by. They were followed by political rallies. They were followed by uh, gatherings of, of hundreds of thousands of people, um, at a religious, uh, festival, um, where, you know, um, the, these, these things were happening at a time when the, the situation was becoming much worse. People were dying of the virus, uh, and the government was still allowing the, the the gatherings to take place. Last year, in 2020, Modi and Indian officials got lots of credit for keeping COVID rates relatively low thanks to lockdowns. Is there now a belief that Modi is going to go back to lockdowns? Well, there, there are definitely growing calls for it. Um, a lot of, uh, health experts, doctors, 
um, even, um, you know, some of the biggest, most, most prominent, prominent voices in, in the medical community have come out and said, uh, this is the time to, to place a national lockdown to curb the spread of uh, the infection and also, uh, halt, uh, the, the, you know, let the, let the medical staff, um, take, take a break because for them it's been kind of relentless. Um, it, it hasn't stopped. And they're saying more doctors are dying uh, in this second wave than, than the first wave. So um, something needs to be done. Um, but it also seems clear from, um, you know, from, from the economic uh, situation that it will be very hard for India to, to go through another national lockdown. But then doctors are still saying that, you know, life is more precious than, than the economy. I just want to go back to something you said earlier about social media criticism. Uh, when there had been some earlier social media criticism of Modi, Facebook cooperated with the Indian government, uh, took down dozens of social media posts. Has that same sort of moderation or policing continued? What we know uh, for sure is that the government uh, initially did not did not like the pouring out of pleas on social media. In uh, the state of Uttar Pradesh, um, which is ruled by Prime Minister Modi's ruling uh, party, um, there were people who called out for help. There was a hospital that sent out an SOS for oxygen, and then they were they were charged uh, under a stringent national security law. So, yeah, I mean, there is a sense that if you if you want to report uh, your problems on social media, um, the government is 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 not not very happy about that. Does that mean we're seeing less people online putting up posts about there being oxygen available here or testing available there? I doubt I doubt that. I think there's there's still a lot more help um, that that we're seeing on social media. There are groups, uh, WhatsApp groups that were, you know, dedicated for for journalists um, to to do their to do their job. But now they're arranging hospital beds. They're arranging oxygen. They're they're you know telling people where you can find an oxygen cylinder. So I think I think that still continues. Karen, final question for you. As a reporter, what are you most closely watching going forward? We're watching everything. I mean, um, I think one one thing that we're closely watching is for sure the way the government decides to 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 put an end to the to the pandemic. Is there going to be a new lockdown? Uh, and if that happens, then um, you know, what would would it be? Uh, a lockdown that would be announced beforehand, or would it be a lockdown that would be a four hours notice? Um, we, everyone's watching for that announcement right now. And we've not seen, um, that, that that announcement is, is near. We've not, we've not seen any indications of that. Karan Deep Singh, whose excellent reporting you can read in the New York Times. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Welcome back. What we're watching today is credit card debt, some measures of which are at their lowest levels since the turn of the millennium. What's happening? Well, in short, people have been spending less and saving more during the pandemic. Capital One, for example, says that its card balances were on average 17% lower in the first quarter of this year than they were in the first quarter of last year. And Discover said its percentage of paid off balances 
is at its highest mark since 2000. Now, all of this is obviously great news for the average American's financial health because credit card debt can quickly spiral out of control. For credit card companies and bank issuers, though, it's the opposite because they make lots of money off those late fees and high interest rates. The big question going forward then is if this is a true sea change toward consumer responsibility or just the byproduct of lockdowns. For that answer, we'll check back into the numbers next year. And we're done. Big thanks for listening. And to my producers, Naomi Shaven, Sabina Singani, Justin Kaufman, and Alex Sugiara. If you have not already subscribed to this podcast or follow it, please do so and be sure to leave us a review. Have a great national Twilight Zone day. And we'll be back tomorrow with another Axios Recap.